verses 12 through 15. Such an honor to be here again tonight. Can I just go ahead and set the stage for the end of my message? Spoiler alert, I'm going to give an altar call. Why do we have altar calls? So you can respond to what you just heard. Faith needs a moment. Anybody hear that? We're good at letting our faith build, but sometimes we're bad at releasing our faith. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There has to be a moment. You know, I've prayed for a lot of people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I hate when people say, well, God will fill me when he feels like it. Like, okay. If you don't believe that God wants to fill you right now, and that he rose from the dead and tore the veil in half, half so we could have the spirit. If you don't believe that, then you'll never get filled. Amen. God, it's, it's great to believe that God, when he feels like it, wants to heal you. But do you believe that God wants to heal you right now? Hallelujah. Because when you will release your faith and give your faith a moment to be released, that's when God does the supernatural. So what is an altar call? Anybody know? It's for you to not just have faith, but to release your faith by getting out of your seat, walking to this altar and saying, God, I believe you. I'll lift my hands. I'll kneel down. God, I hear your word. It's been built up in my heart. Now I'm going to act on it. Somebody look, look at your neighbor and say, act on the word tonight. Act on the word tonight. Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. The Bible says this, then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai, somebody say Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God sent to him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Somebody say the fear of God. Somebody give your neighbor a fist bump and say the fear of God. Fear of the Lord. Then spoke Haggai, the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And listen to what the Bible says. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. I want to read it in a different translation as well. Let's read it one more time. I think it's on the screen for us. The Bible says this, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. Somebody say obey. Seeing God moved is wrapped up in that one simple word, obedience. Obey what God is saying. Obey what God is speaking. Obey his word. Then he moves. And the Bible says, when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their, their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Amen. The word of God should bring the fear of the Lord in our lives. I want to talk to some young people. There are certain things in scriptures that should terrify you. Amen. It shouldn't give you the spirit of fear as the world says, but there should be a holy reverence for the things of God. There should be sobering things you read about. When you read about hell, when you read about sin, when you read about adultery and fornication, when you, when, when you read about how the world is against the church and all these different things, when you open up the book of Revelation and see all the things that are going to happen to people before the rapture, after the, it should bring a holy fear about in your life. Come on, somebody in this house. People fear the Lord. 
Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm. Somebody say, get sparked. Of Zerubbabel, of Joshua, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And I want you to see this part right here. This is what I want to preach on. And they began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. I want to preach on this subject tonight, a spark for the house of God. A spark for the house of God. Father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, thank you for the young people. God, thank you for the ones that are little, God, the ones that are toddlers, the ones that are in elementary school, middle school, high school, the college age group. God, thank you for the young adults, the saints of God. Lord, thank you that we are gathered together in one name, and that is the name of Jesus. God, we know that you have a word for us. God, we know that you are trying to speak to us in this day and hour. We know, God, that in this day and age. We need the power of God. We need repentance. We need the fear of the Lord. God, not only show us those things, show us true love again, Lord. Correct us. Show us your kindness. Show us, God, your justice. Show us, God, the things in the word that we've forgotten about. Convict us, God. As pastor said, Lord, prune our trees so we can bear more fruit. Father, we are desperate for your presence. If anybody is desperate for his glory, can you lift up your hand and say, God, show me your glory tonight. God, we want to be used. We want you to show us your glory. God, we don't want to just read about things, but God, we want to see the very things happen. God, we want to be a, uh, an ax church, Lord. We want to see the acts of the word of God. We want to see the demonstration and the power. We want to see you confirm your word. God, we don't want to just talk about it, but God, let there be a generation that gets hungry for it, that says we we want to be the spark. We want to be the spark for the house of the Lord. Oh, God, make us that spark. Make us that flame. Make us that revival. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, have your way. Help me with this message, Lord. However short you want me to preach, however long you want us to preach, God, open up our ears to hear the word of the Lord tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, can you give God a thunderous hand clap of praise? Come on. A th make your hands hurt for a second. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. A spark for the house of God. A spark for the house of God. There's a couple things you got to know about the book of Haggai before we move forward. Haggai prophesies around 430 B.C. It's around 70 years after the Babylonian Empire goes into Jerusalem and completely burns the city, takes over the city. The Bible says for years that the prophets warned, warned time after time, Israel, you're in sin. Israel, you have idols. Israel, you're not turning back to the Lord. Israel, you have abandoned the word of God. Israel, you're breaking the commandments. Israel, you're not serving the one Lord God, this, this this, this God that saved you, that brought you out of Egypt over and over again. And then we get to this year around 500 B.C. And the, Babylonian, and the Babylonian Empire marches into Jerusalem to a people that think that God is never going to cast judgment. They think that they're God's special people, which they were. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter how special of a person you are to God. There's only so much mercy and so much grace he gives us. 
He gives us chance after chance after chance. He gave Israel year after year, hundreds of years to get back at an altar, to get down on their knees, to tear down the groves, to tear, to tear down the idols, to come back to the altar. But they refused to give their hearts and their lives back to God. And then God uses an empire to come into the city, and they take over. They take the people captive. They kill some of them. They burn the city down. They destroy the walls. They do all these different things. But here, 70 years later, in 430 B.C., Babylon has fallen. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. The the very evil people that went into Israel and took down the city and took down God's people, now they are no longer in power, but the Persians are in power. And this is what the king of Persia did. He told the people that were in exile, God's people, the people of Israel, he sent some of them back to Jerusalem, back to where the temple was, back to the house of God and says, if you want to, if you feel like it, you can rebuild the temple of the Lord. And that's where we get to in Haggai chapter one. It's 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 almost a day of celebration. It's almost a day where, where they're beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They begin to repent some. They begin to turn their hearts back to the Lord. And now here Haggai prophesies, but there's still a couple of things that they've got to realize before the glory of God comes back into the temple. I have three quick points for you tonight. Point number one is this. It is time for this generation to build the house of God. Oh, hallelujah. You listen to me, young people. For far too long, we have depended upon our moms and our dads We've depended upon grandma and grandpa. We've depended upon pastor. We have depended upon the older folks. I'm sorry, guys, the ones that are older than you. Amen. But now as a generation, God is calling every young person in this room. God is calling every high schooler in this room. He's calling every middle schooler in this room. It is not just mom and dad's responsibility. It is not just pastor's responsibility to build and to fill the house of God. But God is looking for a generation in 2022 that says we are going to fall in love with God's house again. This is a holy house. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of signs and wonders. This isn't the ball club. It's not the stadium. It's not Rupp Arena. It's not Ohio State Buckeye Stadium. No, this is where the dead can be raised. This is where the sinner can find hope. If there'll be a young person that realizes we're standing on holy ground, the power of God will come back to our people. Somebody give God glory in this house. Hallelujah. Point number one is simply that it is time for this generation to build the house of God. Listen to what God says from the opening scriptures of Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Lord of heaven army says. He says, the people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. God begins to prophesy out of Haggai that there, are, that there were people in Israel, in Jerusalem, who said, God is saying this is not the time. God is saying we can't rebuild the temple. God, and God said, this is not my word. My word is that the time is now. My word is that the hour is small. My word is that I want my house to be full, to be built for the power and the glory to come back to my church. Hallelujah. 
Hear me. Satan has tried to tell this generation, it is not time to build the church. The world has tried to tell this generation in 2022, the age of the church is over. Listen to some of these statistics. 63% of Americans identify as Christians. Only 48% of those people are members of a house of worship. Over half of those people, over half, under half of those 63% actually attend church. Listen to this. Only three in 10 unchurched Americans say a Christian has shared the gospel with them. This is the craziest one right here. Only 37% of Americans have confidence in the church that they attend. Hear me. Has the church of Jesus Christ lost its power? Is the purpose of the church predicated on the attendance? Does culture have the final say about what the future of the church will be? Can I say an emphatic no? The world does not control the church. Culture does not control the church. Statistics does not control the church. Hollywood does not control the church. The people of this world, government officials do not control the church, but there is one king, there is one head. His name is Jesus. As long as, oh, listen to me, saints of God. Listen to me, young people. As long as Jesus is still seated at the right hand of the Father, the church will be powerful. The church will be supreme. The church is the answer to this dark world around us. I wish somebody would thank God for his church. Hallelujah. Listen to what Matthew chapter 16 says. This is Jesus Christ himself speaking. He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give unto thee. Give unto who? Give unto the church the keys to the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. You want to know why? Young people, this church is so important. You want to know why? It's important not just to watch the live stream. We love your live stream. But if you need, but if you can be here, you need to be here. Amen. If you're in a different country, we'll give you a pass. Hallelujah. Praise God. But if you need to be here, if you can physically be here, you need to be in the house of why? Because Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. That means, <laughs> that means as long as you're in the church, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you, your family. There's no darkness. There's no sickness. There's no power. If somebody will stay in the church, if there'll be a generation that says, I need the, oh, David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. If there'll be a young generation, if the saints of God will fall back in love with the house of God, revival will come. And then he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What's in the kingdom of heaven? Miracles. What's in the kingdom of heaven? Nations being saved. What's in the kingdom of heaven? Demons being cast out. What's in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, the Holy Ghost moving amongst his people again. If somebody will stay in the church, if a young generation will say, we want to be part of the church, God will give you power. Come on, somebody in this house. The church is given the key. This one's probably, probably, probably the most emphatic one. I read somewhere 57% of Americans think at least monthly, at least one time a month, about how they can make a difference. I read this about Gen Z. Gen Z isn't concerned about money. 
Gen Z isn't concerned about having the best job. But, but the most surveys that have been brought out about Gen Z is the number one concern is for their lives is they want to make a difference. They want to impact the world. They want to see people's lives changed, amen. Isn't that something, amen? We live in the first generation that's secular, that's post-Christian, but that generation wants to make a difference in this world. Oh, for all young people, listen to me. The greatest difference that you can make is if you work through the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church. It's the church since the very beginning that has fed the hungry, that has helped the widow, that has went to the nations. It is the church that has adopted more babies than any other institution. If you want purpose in your life, the Bible says there is a greater purpose, there is a greater plan, and it's in the kingdom of God through the name of Jesus. Somebody rejoice in him. It has been said that Gen Z has one central focus amongst their generation to make a difference, to change the world, to have a purpose. There's some young people in this very room. Your heart beats because you know that you're destined for more than just to have a lot of money, to get a 401k, to get a college degree. You are destined. There's some young men, some, some young women. You are, you are destined for more than just to play video games until your eyes start bleeding. Amen. You are destined more than just to get a couple of tackles and a touchdown and a three-pointer and, and, and maybe get a scholarship to call. No, there is more to this life, amen. You can make a difference. You can change the world. You can go to the nations. You can go to Connersville. You can make an impact on your family. Oh, how? Through the word of God, through the name of Jesus. What did God say? Haggai chapter one, verses three through four. He says, then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Hallelujah. He said, it is my will for my church to be built. It is the will of God. Amen. My guy right here, he says he plays football. He's an outside linebacker, right? I don't know how he's an outside linebacker. He's too skinny. Amen. No, he's pretty strong. He looks pretty buff, amen. But there's more for his life than to play football. And it's not just him. It's every person in this room, amen. It's all right. I played sports in school. That's fine, amen. But there is a greater purpose than just playing ball, amen. There is a greater purpose. That should not be, that should be secondary. My Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. I'm talking to you, mom and dad. What did Haggai prophesy to the people? You're more concerned building a luxurious house for yourself than building my house. That's a hard word. And there's people in this very room, you're so consumed in self. Man, I feel, I, I, listen, I don't want to throw a stone at you, but I feel the word of the Lord. I feel the sword of the Spirit. There's some people in this house, you've been too consumed in what you want to do for yourself. But Jesus says, the Spirit says, take up your cross again. There's a, there's a, there's a kingdom that's going to be built. There's a church that's going to be built right here in Cartersville. This church needs you. This church needs you, saints of God. This 
This church needs you, young people. This church needs you, young adults. No, yes, yes, listen, you gotta work. You gotta make a living. But can I tell you, oh, hallelujah, there's so there, there's uh, 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 there's some people so consumed in work that they have no time for the house of God. They have no time for a Sunday service. They have no time for a Wednesdays. But God says, will there be anybody that falls back in love with my house tonight? You make more money. You save more money to build your house. But what about the kingdom of God? What about the nations? What about the drug addicts in this town? What about the ministries of the church? Amen. Hallelujah. Can I talk to some young people? You don't need to center your life around making a lot of money. If you center it around Jesus, if you center it around him, if you'll come to the church and pray when nobody else is praying, if you'll come and say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Amen. If you'll say, God, I'll put my life on hold. Just use me for your glory. God will bless you. God will give you everything that you need for a person who falls back in love with his house. Don't live in this world and forget about the kingdom of God. If you fall in love with God's house, everything else in your life will play out. Point number one, it's time for a generation to build the house of God. But I want to go to point number two quickly. It's time for a generation to believe that the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit has yet to be poured out. You hear me? When we fall in love with the house of the Lord, we realize that God has yet to show us his promised glory that he's promised through Scripture. You know, I think sometimes that we fall in love, we have fallen in love with talking about Azusa Street. We've fallen in love with talking about the Cane Ridge Revival. We fall in love talking about how God moved in revival 30 years ago. Well, I thank God for what he did. Listen, God saved me, sanctified me, baptized me in the Holy Ghost, called me to preach all on the same night, July 14th, two, uh, 2009. I was slain in the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues for over two hours. It, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. But I cannot live in the former glory. Hallelujah. I cannot just bask in what God did. Yeah, no, there is a great greater glory that God wants Robbie Grubbs to pursue and to walk in. And there is greater glory. I don't care how white your hair is. I don't care how much you can or cannot move. If you have breath in your body, there is a call of God for more of his spirit, for more of his plan, and for more of his will. Can I read you what scripture says? Amen. I love this verse. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9. I love how the King James puts it. He says, the glory of this life latter house shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. He has a promise. He has a promise for God's people. He has a promise for those who don't forsake the house of God. He has a promise for a generation that refuses to lock themselves up in their house and not come to church. He has a promise for those who will come to the house of the Lord in rain or shine or snow or hell but says we love this house we've dedicated this house he says the latter glory do you know what the what the former glory was the, f the former glory was when King Solomon built the temple and what happened 
Anybody know? Physical fire fell from heaven and consumed. Could you imagine if physical fire fell from heaven right now as an act of God's sign, as an act of the glory of God? That would be incredible. The Bible says the glory of the Lord filled the temple of Solomon until the priest and all the people had to fall forward on their face because of the power and the reverence of God. Could you imagine if that happened in this room, that the glory of God came in to where you had no control but his presence? Oh, that's what I pray for, amen. That's what I pray for. That's what some of y'all need, amen. You need such an encounter with the glory of God that, 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 that you can't blame it on me. You can't blame it on your condition. You can't blame it on your feeling. But the only explanation is that there's a God in heaven that wants to show you his glory. But God said the former is not going to be greater than the latter, but the latter shall be greater than the former. Well, Brother Robbie, how can, how, can we, how can we have a greater move than physical fire falling from heaven? How can we have a greater move than the Spirit of God coming into a room and making us fall flat on my face? I don't even know. I don't know what to tell you, but I'll tell you one thing. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is not a liar, and there is more for every person in this room. You can have an encounter with God. You can have a personal experience with God, but it comes, what does it say? The glory of the latter house. He's talking about the house of God. We are the temple of God. I understand that. The spirit of God dwells in us, but the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, that's where the church is at. Can I tell you, we are the church in this room. We have dedicated this ground as holy ground. And if somebody will get desperate for God, I don't know what he's going to do, but I believe fire will fall again. I believe the fear of the Lord will come again, and God will show you his glory. What happens when we have a latter-day move of God? Diseases that we don't read about in the Bible that got healed will get healed. Amen. People in wheelchairs will get up. Amen. People will be driving from the highway not knowing why there's a magnetic pull to this house. But when the latter rain glory shows up, hallelujah, oh, hallelujah, those, those lost loved ones you've been praying for, those school members that you've been praying for, oh, we read about old moves of God. We, really, we read about bars being shut down. We read about total, total cities shutting down, coming to the house of the Lord. Don't you tell me he can't do it. He is the God. He is Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's looking for a generation that says, God, give me your house, give me your presence, give me your power and glory more than anything. Hallelujah. You know, I kind of look back over my life. I am, I am nobody special. I am, I am less than less. Eastern Kentucky, born in a coal mining town, poverty, amen, all that different stuff. Thank God for where he's brought me from. But I can remember being 16 years old, being 17 years old, being 18 years old after I had that experience with God. 
and I begged my pastor for a key to the house of God. I begged him for a key just to, so, so on my way to work, I could come and pray for a little bit. You want to know why I'm standing right here? Because I fell in love with the house of God. It's not by, you, you, you don't just stumble into being a minister. You don't just stumble into having power. You don't just stumble into preaching the gospel. No, it takes somebody that will fall in love with the house of God. Oh, I wish God would convict some young girls right here. I wish God would some uh, would convict some young men. Maybe on your way to football practice, Mom, can I go to can, can I go to the church, Amen, for half an hour and lay in the altar and say, God, I may not feel anything, but I love your house. I love your presence. I wish there'd be a young person that would catch on fire for God and says, I know I can make an impact. I know I can have a purpose, and it's through the church, and it's through Jesus, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It's time for a generation to believe that the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit has yet to be poured out. The latter house shall be greater than the former. Amen. I was reading about a great revivalist, and I think at this point in his life he had a church, and for two or three months straight he preached the same message. He would get up every Sunday, preach the same message. Nobody would move. Preach the same message. Nobody would move. Preach the same message. No, and no, and no one would even would even flinch. Amen. But after two or three months of preaching this message, not knowing why God told him over and over again to preach the same message, there was a group of young people that came up to him and said, Pastor, we know that the adults aren't doing anything, but we want to start a prayer meeting on like a Tuesday night. Amen. We hear what you've been saying, and we want to pray for that to happen in our lives where this where this evangelist where this revivalist was preaching at that he let those young people into the house of the Lord what happened to those young people they fell in love with the presence of God they fell in love with the house of the Lord and they began to meet one day a week other than Sunday and Wednesday and they got into an atmosphere of prayer and it grew from four people to ten people and they ended up having 50 people in a matter of a month and then revival began to break out out in schools and from the schools it went to the workplaces and from the workplaces it went to the community and revival broke out for years because of a group of young people that said if nobody else wants to obey the word we'll obey the word we'll be that generation that seeks your face oh God number three lastly it's time for a generation to break the hold of sin over their lives what Haggai says in chapter 2 verse 14. Haggai responded, that is how it is with the people in this nation. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Oh hear me, hear me tonight young people, hear me tonight saints of God. The power, there is still power in the word of God. There is still power in the name of Jesus. There is still power in the blood of Jesus. There is still power in the Holy Spirit. There is power. It is still greater than the sin that so easily besets us. I was, I was preaching last night. Had a great service in Germantown, Ohio. Having a tent meeting there. 
And on the way back home, I had about an hour drive. Cody, Cody and Chucky were with me, and Kira was with me as well. We had, we had driven over there, and we got a text message, or we had saw something on social networking about, about something that had happened. Uh, 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 it was it was through Maverick City. I love Maverick City music. I love to listen to their music. I love their songs. I mean, like if anybody loves them, it's me. But they had posted something on their story, and 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 it and it was a clip, and it was one of the most ungod. And like I don't even talk about this stuff from the pulpit usually, but it grieved me so much yesterday thinking about this generation, seeking about thinking about what we have accepted in the church. Are you listening to me, young people? God does not mock at our sin. God cannot dwell where there's an atmosphere of sin. Listen, God cares about what we watch. God cares about what we do. God cares about what we wear. God cares about how we speak. God cares. if we Listen, if we look like the world, if we dress like the world, if we do what the world does, if we talk like them, listen, friend, the Bible says the world is our enemy. We are trying to reach the world. We are trying to reach, though, if we look exactly like them, if we talk exactly like them, if we listen to the same things, then we'll never have an impact on their lives. Be ye separate from the world, the, the Word of God says. Separation. Holiness is still right. The Bible says without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Amen. We have got to have a generation that says, I don't want to live how I want to live, but I want to live by this Word. I want to dress like this Word. I want to talk like this Word. I want to love like this Word. I want to do, I want to live in righteousness. I want to live in holiness. I want to live in purity. You can wait until you're married to give yourself away. You can live above alcoholism. You can live and not curse like them and not talk like them and not be like them. Amen. Oh, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about somebody who's so in love with the house of God. Hallelujah. I'm looking for somebody that's so in love with Jesus. I'm looking for somebody that says, God, I want you more than anything. God, whatever I got to do, whatever I got to give up, God, just show me your glory. Oh, I wish somebody would throw their heads up and say, God, you're worth it. You're worth building your house for. You're worth sacrificing myself for. On this Instagram clip, I posted it. They've been traveling around with Kirk Franklin, and it was as ungodly as could be. I love Kirk Franklin, too. Half-dressed, chest showing, and he was literally almost almost twerking, hip-thrusting the air. Oh, friend, listen. Friend, listen. That's not God. That's not godly. Oh, hallelujah. We serve a God. We serve a God that doesn't make us more like the world. He makes us more like Him. He makes us more like the Word of God. Somebody needs to run from your sin. Somebody needs to come back to an altar. It says, I don't want the world, but I want Jesus. I want his glory. I want what he has for my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time for a generation to break the hold of sin over your life. Hallelujah. As they come back to the piano, amen. I want to take us back to what we just read for our opening text. 
as we stand in the house of the Lord. The Bible says in the New Living Translation, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message. Did you hear that? They began to obey the message from the Lord their God. They began to obey the Bible again. Don't give me an excuse that, well, what is it? Read the Bible. Come to church. Come. Can I I talk to some parents? If you put other things over the house of God, they're going to put other things over the house of God. My mom and my dad divorced when I was one year old. But even when my mom remarried Chucky's dad, I was like one, two. There was never a Sunday that I can remember where we missed church. Hey, man, it was not optional. It didn't matter if I was on the basketball team. They instilled something on the inside of me that says God's presence and God's house, super, house supersedes everything else in your life. Amen. Ball games don't supersede the house of God. A video game does not supersede the house of God. Homework doesn't supersede the house of God. They can give up an hour, take their phone away for an hour when they get home and make them do their homework. If you put it, if you miss, they're going to miss. If it's not your passion, it's not going to be their passion. But if there'll be some saints of God that says, we love this house. We need this house. There's a, there's a, there's a, demonic spirit of this age that says we don't need the house of God I don't got to go to church that's totally anti-bible Bible says as we see the day coming closer to gather more gather more it's the word of God young people this is why we have to hold this word in our heart I think I said it this morning I don't just say homosexuality is wrong because I feel like it. You think it's fun telling a homosexual you're in sin? No, I care for their soul. The Bible says. Hey man, think it's fun telling people who are sleeping around, drinking, doing drugs, lying, gossiping, that that's a sin? No, but why do we do it? Because the Word. If we'll open up the Word and say, God, i got to hide your Word in my heart. Why do we love the house of God? Because it's a house of his word. It's a house of his name. It's a house of his presence. Amen. Can I, can I, can I just give you those three points again? Number one, it's time for the generation to build this house. It's time for a generation to believe that the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit has yet to be poured out. It's time for a generation to break the hold of sin over their lives. Haggai chapter 1 verses 12 through 13 says, And Zerubbabel and Joshua, the whole remnant of God's people, began to obey. Somebody say obey. The message of God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. The word of God. The preaching of the word. The singing of the it brought the fear of the Lord. They begin to obey. And when they begin to obey, they begin to revere the Lord again. And after they obeyed, is anybody still awake? After they obeyed, after they repented, then God could say, I am with you, says the Lord. If you're not obeying, if you're still living in sin, 
if this house is not what you're trying to build, if you're consumed in the world, God is not saying, I am with you. But when there will be a people that says, God, I want your word. I want your way. I want your commandments. I want to contend for an outpouring. I want to lay down my sin again. And I want to seek you more than anything. That's when God can say, that's my people. That's my church. That's the people that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And I will fill them. There's a spark in this room for the house of God. And God is searching lives right now. He's looking for young people that will fall back in love with his house, with his glory, with his presence. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you, God, that we can be that spark. We thank you, God, that we can be the ones to submit ourselves. God, right now, come on, can somebody just begin to repent right now? God, I'm sorry. All the prophets said, God said through the prophet, we have built our houses. We have built our jobs up. We have built our bank accounts more than we've built the house of God. Let us be a generation that gives ourselves for the presence of God. Let us be a generation that gives ourselves at an altar. Let us be a generation that falls in love with worship, that falls in love with this altar. Let us be a generation that contends for a move of God. Let us be a generation that seeks the latter house more than the former house. Let us be a generation that says, God, we want to live not like the world. We want to live for you, Jesus. You know, you know if you want to be that person. If you want to make a fresh commitment, hear me, church. If you want to make a fresh commitment to the house of God, I'm going to build this house. My family's going to build this house. We're going to contend for God's glory. We're going to lay down our sin. We're going to make sure that the kingdom of God does go forth. On the count of three, if that's your prayer, God, 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 we lay down our sin. God, forgive us, but we want to build your house. We don't want to just build our house, but we want to build the house of God. On the count of three, I want you to run to this altar. You can stand, you can kneel, but I want us to dedicate ourselves to the house of God again. One, two, three, right now. Come on, come on, come on. I need some young people. I need some saints of God. I need some moms and dads. I don't want to just build my luxurious house. Oh, but God, I want your house. I want your glory. This is the way I can change the world. I know I'm nothing in myself, but I know if I give myself to your house, if I give myself to Jesus, if I give myself to the Spirit of God, come on, somebody seek his glory. The ladder, the ladder, the ladder, the ladder, the ladder will be greater than the former. Repent of that sin. God, we're sorry for putting other things first. We're sorry for making church secondary. We're sorry for falling in love with other things more than you, Jesus. Go ahead as they begin to sing. Come on, God's doing something right now. Let God do a deep work. Let God, let there be a generation that says we'll pick up the mantle and build the house of God. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you can take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. 
follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.